0: Benfica Nation, welcome to episode number 109 of Mr. Benfica. Hello to anybody watching live right now on YouTube. And hello, of course, to everybody listening on the podcast. Benfica, pick up three much-needed points today. This, in turn, ended up being a great round for Benfica. Uh, I know a lot of y'all... Over the weekend, we're, we're upset that Sporting was was winning. You guys, I don't know. Did you want Porto to win the title? And more importantly, do you want Braga to catch us? Uh, it couldn't have gone any better for Benfica this weekend, in my opinion. Porto drop points. Uh, Sporting Braga lose. And Benfica now comfortably in third place. We should be able to, at the very least, uh, finish this thing in third place. And we should now be able to go and get second place. I believe we can do it now of course every time you believe in this team they remind us why we shouldn't believe in this team all right um lots to talk about tonight okay this is going to be a post-match report format so it's going to be just like you're listening to the radio after the match it's going to be a a match in that uh format and i got a lot of stuff coming in i got tweets coming in uh i got you know, A lot to talk about, so I get a little bit distracted here. Not usually doing this live. I am a podcaster. I'm not really a YouTuber, so I don't normally do this live, but we're going to give it a shot because it is already 8, 19 p.m. here on the East Coast of the United States, and well, let's be honest, if I tried to record a video, upload it to YouTube tonight, I'd be here all night because... Uh, as most of you know, I wake up about two o'clock in the morning, go to work. So we're going to skip all that. We're going to go live and we're just going to we'll do it. Any mistakes that happen are real. Anything that happens, uh, outside of the plan, we're going to have to live with it. All right. So let's start with the breaking news. Okay. And of course our club played like absolute crap this, today. Absolute crap. All right. Completely played off the pitch in so many ways by Santa Clara, uh, the Azorian side came in and they, they looked phenomenal. They they uh just couldn't put it in the net. And Elton Leight, as much as I've talked about him in the past, came up big today. Elton Leight was good. My boy Otamendi, he let us down. Uh, he had a key mistake in in Santa Clara's goal. But we're gonna start with the hot news right now. And it's coming from northern Portugal. Moreira dos and Football Clube do Porto thought they had won. They thought they had won in the 90 second minute. Tony Martinez thought he had kept the title hopes alive. Hugo Miguel thought that Tony Martinez had kept the title hopes alive. But for once, for once, hallelujah. The video referee, the VAR, the VAR came in 10 centimeters. I can't even do that with my fingers. I can't even make that distance with my fingers. 10 centimeters, the difference tonight between. Three points or 1.4, point football club de Porto, and uh, the boys over at Benfica FM caught it all live as they were recording. They were into the conversation, and, and you know they tweeted out the video. And all of a sudden, it was like they just started. They just they went nuts when the goal was overturned, and this led to me. Uh, see, I was supposed to be at work. <laughs> I was working, but uh, I had the game on here on my on the other side on the other computer. And I got real into it. Of course, I was trying to catch up on on Leo versus uh versus Leon from the weekend as well. Brilliant match. But I had Porto Portugal in the final moments. Uh, once Taremi, you know, once I saw that Porto had another penalty kick, I was I, I was like, I'm gonna torture myself today because I'm gonna watch them steal another one. Um, and I thought they had, but uh, but, good old VAR came into play. Ten centimeters the difference. Here on the Goal TV, the the network that broadcasts the game in English here in the United States, Goal TV, and their their commentator, Nino Torres. All right, he went, he lost it. He went ballistic. He couldn't believe that they were calling the goal back. He said, "What?" As soon as he goes, "There's nothing to check. There's nothing to check." He keeps saying, and then all of a sudden, you could you could see as Ugo Miguel, those of you watching, had over his ear. And you could already see the Mourines defenders celebrating. They already knew that it was it was going to be an offside. Ten centimeters, everybody. Ten centimeters. I can't get over it. And, yeah, Nino Torres had a mental breakdown. No, no, he says. And, and finally, so I, I went to Twitter. I took to this, this phone here, and I went to Twitter. And why don't I read you my tweet, okay, at the end of that match? Because – Two minutes later, I tell you, two minutes later, Porto calling for a penalty kick, which was, in my opinion, you can say all you want. He did not fall in. The foul did not occur in the box, no matter how much he drags his foot. Um, But here here is my tweet. And uh, (laughs) you can go to my Twitter, of course, at Mister, and read it yourself. But I couldn't help myself here. And I said, someone tell the at Gold TV announcer at, and it's his Twitter handle, okay, but Nino Torres is his name, uh, to stop having an orgasm every time Porto scores. For once, hashtag VAR did its job offside all day. Then he pleads for a penalty that's clearly outside the area. Referees in the league doing everything they can to keep Porto in this title race. I said to myself, oh, no, I've started something. Here I'm. I'm trying to be tough, right? I'm trying to be trying to be a big man here. And um, just like every time in my life, I try to start a fight to look tough. Well, I end up being friends with the guy. <laughs> so Nino Torres responds. One, it was clearly offside, but I think the new rule is ruining the game, not this particular game. He says. So he thinks the fact that he's offside by his arm is is bad. But he's not talking just about this game. So I've said that myself. I can't I can't fault the man. I've said the same thing myself on this podcast, on these videos, that we need to get consistent, consistent rules as to what constitutes an offside in 2021 in the age of our – we're still not getting it. That in other countries was not going to be called offside. In Portugal, that's offside. He goes on to say, Number two, Diaz drags his left foot to be on the line. It should have been a penalty. And then the best line of all. And um, I tip my hat to Mr. Nino Torres here. Uh, Shout out. Uh, I won't stop having orgasms, he says. I will not stop having orgasms, especially in dramatic games. Just wait for the Classico, he tells me. And uh, I had a good laugh at that. And how can I get mad at a guy at that point? Uh, He has a good sense of humor. And then, of course, our boy Adrian there from Rabona TV chimes in. Shout out Adrian at at um, at Rabona. Let me let me get you his his at Rabona underscore TV. I will He he quotes he quotes Nino and says, "Hell yeah, Nino do do you, my man Mario from B after ninety sends a great gif. We all have a good laugh and admit it. And then I say, "Admittedly, I tip my hat uh, on this one. Oh, well done." Nino Torres. I even, I even sent him. the The banter goes on, but that gets the gist of it. Um, he also goes on to say that. Um, no, I go on to say I respond to him talking about the classico and I said I know you'll be dressed in blue for the classico and here is the reason. And I post a, t- a screenshot right here. You can't see it, but it is the table of penalties awarded this season in Liga Nage with football. The Porto, of course. Up at the top with 14. The next closest was our opponents this this evening or this afternoon, Santa Clara. He responds, don't be so sure. Most likely I'll be wearing a black outfit. And he says about the penalties, of course, it's a big reason, but it's not the only one. Porto are still in the race. And I ended up, um, he has his private messages shut off. So I ended up just tweeting at him one more time saying, uh, I said to him, I'm gonna read it to you right now. I know this may not be the most exciting thing for people, but I I uh I tweeted at him afterwards and I said thanks for the banter and the good sense of humor. Thank you for bringing me the Ligonage in English week after week. Maybe we'll chat again on Friday. Cheers. And uh, he he thanks me in return. Nino Torres, you're a good guy in my book. Even if you you Ruth, I have to admit the guy the guy has a style. Okay, a very latin style a very good style who doesn't like that i grew up here in the united states watching football on spanish television on univision listen watching the great andreas cantor uh narrate the matches okay i expect emotion i expect goals it's just because it was porto that it bothered me if it was any other match any other team i'd have been fine with that okay it was just because it was porto and he gets that he's a football man he knows what's up and uh at the end of the day, I think I made myself a new friend. I hope I made myself a new friend. All is good in love and football, and all is good in podcasting. All right, liganage, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. So, with that said, man of the match, man of the match in the Porto match. That is, I've talked about Porto already too long in this this episode, but the Ugo Miguel does it again. And um, well, let's get to let's get to our own club before we take a break. A, a couple updates. Basketball, men's basketball. Okay. Benfica splits games one and two in the opening round of the playoffs in the Liga Placard against the defending champion, Oliveira. Yes, Oliveira is still the defending champion because there was no champion last season. All right. So game three this Thursday afternoon here in the United States, maybe even morning. I'm not sure. I haven't checked the time yet. But go to your BTV listings. You'll see it there. Okay. I believe they have it. If it's not there, um, well, I'll just tweet it out for everybody, and you'll know when they're playing if you're interested. All right, game three up in Oliveira de Zamej. Um, must win for Benfica, in my opinion. Carlos Jusboa's job is hanging on the line. I don't know. I think only running the table somehow and upsetting his way to the title will save his job. But then again, this is Benfica, and who knows what they're going to do. Um, You can never know about those things. And a big shout-out also, Benfica women's uh, water polo champions again they won the title this past weekend um you know congratulations all right and uh happy to see another championship for our club regardless of the sport and this is what our club is about it's about supporting in all sports all right i'm gonna take a quick break here so if you're watching on youtube you're gonna get a few seconds of silence but if you're watching if you're listening excuse me on the podcast you're gonna get of course Yeah, reconquista. All right. We'll be right back on the other side of this just shortly. UEFA Euro 2020 this summer here on the Park and the Bus podcast. Força, sabes que estamos contigo Em casa fora, nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos Resolver, nós a fé que não se explica carrega, carrega, bem fica, carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos Resolver, nós Até que Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina há um vizinho, sento o carinho do Algarve até ao minho, o vermelho pinta a tuga e é isso o teu colinho. Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito, que não fique por fazer o que podia ter sido feito. Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo, em casa ou fora nós somos o um eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo. Somos o entender free. Ouve nossos atos, o querer de todos nós, a fé que não se explica. Carrega Benfica, carrega Benfica. Carrega Benfica. Carrega Benfica. Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós, a fé que não se explica. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 109. Now let's start the post-game report, will we? Uh, we got Benfica winning 2-1 to today, an own goal um, early in the match, okay, and then Chiquinho making the difference late in the match. I'm gonna go through some of your tweets right now, see what the what, what Benfica nation is feeling right now before we get into the lineups and into the into the key moments of the match, if you will. And uh, I'm going to start. There was a, a, twit, a tweet here from a good friend of the show, the original, the OG of – of pod, one of the OGs of podcasting. Okay, it's it's our friend down at Benfica Podcast, Cristiano Oliveira, at CO10. It's CO10 at CO10. Um, too many too many Benfica players – sorry, too many players on Benfica's roster. Not worth wearing that shirt. Professional players, yes. Yes. Um, good enough to play Benfica bleep no Uh, okay and that was retweeted by our friend Timo at underscore Timo one and he says in his opinion not a single player should be safe I can make a list of all four or five guys I think I think are safe um but maybe they're not I don't know I think everybody's had their good days and their bad days this year so it's kind of hard to say and perhaps Perhaps nobody, sh- well, no one should ever feel safe. That is, if you're a big club, nobody should ever feel safe. Um, the fact that someone does feel safe, this is how we get the consistency we get this season. I'm going to slide down and see what else is out here. I'm going to skip over anything thats Porto port-to-related. We've already gone over it. That is what is flooding the, the Twitter space right now. And I'm not going to get into the the polemica, into the controversy or into the manager being sent off once again. He's now got more red cards than the team that has the most red cards in the league this year. I'm not going to get into that. Okay. Uh, Our friend from BA90, from Bific after 90, is probably recording live right now. Uh, uh, Mario at M.SLB. Okay. Now I'm a believer. We can take second. He's got the crying... La- the laugh crying emoji is saying such a roller coaster being a Benfica this season and i agree it is such a roller coaster it really feels like a wasted season at this point i mean we're fighting to hang on to third place and hopefully get to second i mean this is not where we're supposed to be as a club we are much much bigger than this we should be much higher okay um we we pissed away so many points this season or we would be we would be right there with Sporting I mean they just want to give the title away if you've watched them recently Sporting the the pressure is on and they are nervous I mean they're gonna get a big leave you now a big relief now that Porto have dropped two points and they have won a big match on the road at Braga but honestly that's what's best for us right now because we're not getting there okay yes George can say all he wants that mathematically we're not eliminated but and he then reiterates that it is what it is uh, a favorite saying of Benfica uh, managers it is what it is but I don't I don't see how with what do we got six mat I think we got five matches left to play all right 15 points left to earn I can't see us making up this difference with Sporting it would be the biggest miracle of all I just hope my fear my biggest fear Was that we were gonna, and this is this sounds horrible, but I was literally fearing that we're gonna beat Sporting and hand the title to Porto, because that would be the worst, the worst victory in the history of the club, in my opinion. It would feel absolutely horrible, at least in my lifetime. Um, so I think today's today's results helped me uh ease of those worries. And I hope that next Thursday we, we take it to Porto. We pull out the win and we put them in the we put the nail in their coffin and we bury Football Club de Porto for this season, and we can pull ourselves closer and maybe by then we can even jump past them. Gotta take care of business against Tondela later this week. Okay, Friday we got Tondela. We're without key players. I'll talk about that in a minute when I recap the match. All right. Moving down the conversation uh our friend kevin up in montreal he says and he's at nivic slb we looked fire in september october came an international break insert expletive <laughs> um all of our momentum he puts in parentheses darwin got COVID and lost his mojo brilliant point darwin l- Darwin lost his mojo getting COVID. Um, a number of players got COVID this year and we're never the same again. Let's be honest, okay? Um, everyone I've uh I, I've criticized or I I've praised in the past, nobody came back quite the same. Weigel took a long time to recover. Tarapt was never the same, okay? Whatever I want to say about Tarapt week to week, listen. Um, he he dropped off because of COVID. I'm not blaming him, okay? Um, and now George Azuz making some comments about Tarap's state of fitness right now. I didn't really think was the best choice um, for him to to speak about uh to speak about in the postgame, given current situation. Uh Adel Tarap's picked up an injury in training, and he explains why, and, and maybe I'll get to that. It's I'm really not comfortable talking about uh Azuz's explanation about Adel Tarap's injury. Um it's just I don't think I don't think it's part of the equation to be honest. Um he makes it sound like it's something that that the players never dealt with before. He he deals with this this season every year. Um and by see I mean calendar season this this time in the year every season and ah uh, maybe maybe it'll come up later but he 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 made some explanations for a delta and I don't know how Tarap feels about it, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment. But um PortugueseSoccer.com is reporting, and this was reported all over the broadcast today on BTV. Good news. Portugal reported no corona-related deaths in the last 24 hours for the first time in nine months. That is good news. Maybe we can get some fans, and of course, the prime minister's already said no fans this season. I think that's a shame. And Jorge Zuz in his postgame press conference okay, was asked this. And I have to give the man credit. Again, I criticize him enough. When he does something right, I am going to say it. And he spoke rightfully so. And first of all, he apparently shares my views on politicians because they're not really good for anything, in my opinion. And when it comes time, when you need them to defend you, like football has needed the politicians to defend them. They have. They have abandoned football. They have abandoned football fans in Portugal this season, okay? Because as George pointed out, nobody, nobody handled a return from COVID. No industry handled it better than football did anywhere in the world, okay? Football found a way to get it done. They found a way to get everyone back to back to, to action. You can't say the same about basically anybody's public school system, for example, okay? You can't say it about that. All or, right, or they just, they didn't do it well. And football did it well. And football has the ability to separate people. You can assign tickets with an assigned seat, and you can do like we saw here in the United States for WrestleMania and for the Super Bowl. You could put fake people, okay, cardboard people, in between the seats people are assigned to, ensure they sit where they are assigned. No, we're not going to get fifty or sixty thousand in a stadium anytime soon um hopefully by by next season by or you know by the final of the euro would be great but i don't know um at the very latest by the end of the calendar year but you can certainly put a third of a stadium maybe the super bowl here in the united states had i think 25,000 wrestlemania in the same exact stadium a stadium that holds if i'm not mistaken about 80,000 they put 25,000 in there um each night I think Stadio Luge could do 15 or 20,000, a third of the stadium, keeping people separated and social distance, I think. With masks on, I don't see why they can't be in the stadium, given uh, those those restrictions. And then you just have a coordinated exit plan. That's all you need is to have a coordinated exit plan. Everyone stays at their seats until it's their turn to leave, by section. It isn't that hard. I've run operations for a club before, okay? No, not in Stadio Luge not where you're going to have all that space, but it's not hard to come up with a plan of entry and exit from a stadium. Okay, you sit in this section. You're going through this door at this time. You have to communicate it. But you know what are these you know public relations and communication departments for? Just to just to go and start Twitter wars with each other and to to accuse each other of, of corruption and whatnot. No, okay. So Benfica FM's tweeting about Porto there and. Um, you know, Umbenfiquista uh, Um tweeted, uh, this was still during the game, and it says, when your opponent has more shots on their goal than you do. That was Benfica through a large stretch of this. We were ahead one nil with zero, zero shots on goal. Um Make sure you give him a follow. Uh, on Twitter he is at um. that's um um americano uh, good account to follow he has really good content on there and we keep moving through the Twitter sphere and i mean there's a tweet here i wanted to read and now it's it's so far in the past that it's not on my on my um, feed anymore but you know keep keep tweets coming obviously uh benfica fans keep tweeting let's keep benfica trending um it was, so this was a match, I'm going to say, where I think I've already said at the top of the episode that Benfica, it couldn't have gone any better in terms of results for Benfica today. The play on the field was piss poor on the pitch. It was piss poor from Azagish today, okay? And I'm going to open up my little app here and go through the lineup in a moment. And, I mean... Santa Clara looks like Befica, and Befica looked like Santa Clara. Sergio Sergio tweeted this up in, in Canada, okay? He used to be Sergio Jafocht, I believe. Now he uses his real name. But um, he said, did Befica and Santa Clara switch uniforms at halftime? And I know I responded with, "Uh, I think they switched before the match. And... Uh, someone else tweeted that uh Santa Clara came out in the 1940 Chicago Bears uniforms for fans of the NFL, and those were the colors of the Chicago Bears. It, it looked uh, it looked absolutely, you know, it looked like Benfica were Santa Clara, and Santa Clara were Benfica for large stretches of the match, and there's no doubting that. Okay, we bring up the the fought mob here, and I'm gonna pull up the lineups now, as we have round 29 Stade de Luge, of course. It's Benfica versus Santa Clara. Um, what our rivals will say, Benfica against our Azorian team, because the emblems are identical almost. I've explained the history behind that in the past. I don't need to do that today. But I've got the the match feed up now, and I'm going to go right into the lineup. So we're going to start with the visitors from Punta Delgada, the visitors from the beautiful island of São Miguel in the uh, Surge, as they say. All right, the goalkeeper is Marco Rocha. They're playing a 4-3-3 for their manager, Daniel Hamush, one of the great young Portuguese managers, in my opinion. He's done some great work. Uh, He was at Boavista last year, and he is doing a phenomenal job with Santa Clara this year. They are knocking on the door of Europe. So um, one thing I have to stress, as bad as Benfica played, this was not a bad team we faced tonight. Okay, Santa Clara tonight showed that they deserve a spot in the UEFA Conference League next season. You can bet that this Benfica is going to be pulling for the Azorians the rest of the way. And it's not because my mother's from the Azores either, okay? It's because their football's fantastic, and they deserved more than what they got tonight, in my opinion. Yeah, they weren't efficient. Um, it's a lot of what we sometimes say about Benfica, just a lack of efficiency today. That was the case for Santa Clara. But they're playing a four-three-three. 3 like I said. They're back 4 uh, there right back is the former Orlando City. Right back, Rafael Ramuj, also obviously a former Benfica youth product. João Afonso, and Venezuela international Mikel Villanueva are the central back pairing. Learned from Elder Condut today on the broadcast that Mikel Villanueva was once a baseball player and did everything he could to to be a professional baseball player before switching to football. Interesting. Now he's a Venezuela international and he's played, as, as Elder said, against some of the best players the world has ever seen, namely Messi and Ronaldo, in La Liga when he was playing in La Liga. The, the left back is Mansour, three-man in midfield, anchored by Anderson Carvalho. To his right, Hid, Hidmasa Morita, the Japan international. And Lincoln is the, the left-sided center midfield. With three in attack, uh, Carlos Jr. is on the right. Uh, Krizan is the striker and Alano is the left back now. Benfica coming out in a three, it shows here as a three-five-two. I think it almost always plays out as a three-four-three. Three. Um they really haven't figured this out yet, okay? And you've heard me for weeks say that we gotta play three at the back. Three at the back is not five at the back, okay? Um people and because they're not. Quite doing it right. It, it it turns into five at the back at times against teams who we should never have five at the back against. And I understand the criticism. There are times that uh that it, it's not functioning. And today, I have to say, Santa Clara scouted Benfica perfectly. They knew the spots where we were vulnerable. Okay, obviously, when you play a three-man backline with two wing backs going up and down. So uh, up and down the flanks or Alas, as they say in Portuguese. Um, well, actually, ala is not is not the flank. Ushtram is the flank, but um, it leaves gaping holes down the flanks because our 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 outside backs or our wing backs is really what they are push forward, which is what they're supposed to do in this system. Problem is, you have to protect the ball better when you play this system. What looks like I think a big problem with Benfica this season is no matter what system they play, the players play the same game. They don't recognize where they may have a new weakness or where they may be a little more vulnerable than usual. And they, they, they give balls away far too much. And you know what? There's no system of football you can play that leaves you completely covered. If it were, everybody would play it. Okay? Every system leaves some vulnerability and we saw what it was today on those counterattacks let me tell you uh, we were left skinned okay we know we don't have pace at the back okay these three do not have any pace um or not enough pace at least santa Clara knew that they exploited that okay we the goal we nearly gave up a goal early on counterattack okay we were we were absolutely burned down the flanks whenever we lost the ball the players need to have the have the awareness and the notion That they need to protect the ball better. And it doesn't matter. Like I said, it doesn't matter what system you play. If you lose the ball and you give it away carelessly and you leave yourself exposed, good teams. And Santa Clara, I'm going to put in that category of a good team. They're not a great team. They're not a top four team. But they are a good team. And good teams are going to exploit mistakes. Okay? They're going to exploit vulnerabilities. Santa Clara did that all day today. Um... And really played some brilliant football. But like I said, it looked more like a 3-4-3 a three, three to me. Of course, watching on television, it's a little more difficult. If I would love to be in the top of North for one of these stadiums. Or in the you know, in the, in the top, looking down and watching this from the tactical cam. I really wish BTV had a tactical cam option. Not that I'd watch the match live that way. But after the fact, I would love to go back and see just exactly what spaces players are occupying for the majority of the time. Um so we got the usual 3 in the back it's Nico Otamendi, Jan Vertonghen and Lucas Verissimo. Uh, Diogo Gonçalves and Grimaldo are the the wingbacks in in the middle there uh you look you had Weigel and and Pizzi playing as double pivots with Everton playing in front of them, although a lot of times it was Rafa moving into that space. Rafa did a lot of defending today. I've seen on Twitter that, the you know, from different supporters, different fans, noticing that he's, you know, a poor performance from him. What I noticed, okay, when I look at this, I see him dropping into that sort of a midfield number eight role a lot. With with, with Julian Weigl and and PZ almost playing like double sixes. Okay, of course the three man back line needs a double pivot. Um, the problem is when they drop too deep, you're not getting up front to a, to help, and now you have you fall into the 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 probability of having two lines of five, and that's never what you want. And that leaves wide open spaces all over the park. And of course our opponents today wisely exploited open spaces we left them. Um, Everton came in crucial on the on the goal, okay, the own goal. He he earned the own goal. But, again, a lot of criticism going towards Everton Cebolinha, the former Grêmio man. And um, he's really struggling to find his foot in this team. I, mean, I think it's because of the positioning. Um, he's used to playing one way, okay. And the Portuguese managers now and coaches that have gone to Brazil have noticed into South America that they – The teams like to play one way, and it's very hard to change that. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed here, and I'm hoping that this is a growth year and that this is an adapting year and a learning year, and there's going to be an upswing in the learning curve next season for Everton Sobolina as well as for Darwin Nunez um, next season, hopefully because they were big investments from this club and they need to pay dividends, obviously. So that is the midfield up front uh listed as forwards was rafa and the swiss army knife as our friend my new friend nico torres calls him um iris Seferovic, which it's like flipping a coin which saferovich you're going to get in the match you're going to get you're going to get the hat trick or you're going to get the Seferovic we got today the Seferovic you got today can't hit the ocean from the beach if you lay it out for him i know Diogo Gonçalves gave him the ball of the match, the delivery of the match. And he put that thing, I, that thing is probably still in orbit right now. All right, so let's look at some stats. The key moments. Okay, let's go to the key moments. I'm going to pull up the ticker here. I'm not going to go through the whole match, obviously. I'm going to keep it to key moments. But as I scroll through it in the first half, there was a play here in the early. Grimaldo gets beat so easily on the dribble. And I think it was by Carlos Vinicius. It might have been by Crisand. Um The three-man back line was pinched in, which is good. You want the pinched in. You want the protecting the middle. Ball gets knocked wide. Grimaldo sprints out there like he's Usain Bolt trying to run the 100-meter dash. Um, he must think he's at, uh, must think he's at the, the European Track and Field Olympics, Athletics uh, Championships or something. Uh, the way he ran out there. He never positioned his feet. He never got in defensive position. Never turned his hips. Never got his arm out. Never got within arm's length of the Santa Clara player. He just ran at him. Got dribbled around. Nearly, it was a dangerous play because it ended up being served across the face of goal. Elton came out. He kind of, uh, he kind of lost it a little bit on the bounce. It hit him. Got behind him. But fortunately, rolled wide. Um, otherwise, we would have been in big trouble there. Um, and again, Grimaldo, I, Grimaldo can deliver a good ball. He can he, he can be useful going forward. We have not seen a good Grimaldo this year, okay? And I don't want to hear these rumors I'm hearing that Barcelona are interested in bringing him back because, I'm sorry, well, what's he going to go there and do? Come on, let's be real for a moment. You can't get beat on the dribble like that by Santa Clara players and then think you're going to go play in La Liga and and get on the pitch for Barcelona. Um, I know Barcelona have the ball all the time and he's not going to be asked to defend much. But this year, I don't even think he's giving us enough going forward. I know he's got a good number of assists, but really, really, really expect more from Alejandro Grimaldo. And his defending is, is atrocious for a top-level defender. A top-level player who's been playing defense since La Masia, since he was at Barcelona B. It's something that's happening in football everywhere. Defense is being completely, completely ignored, being completely abandoned in the development of players. It's something you see with Benfica's youth teams coming up through the ranks. Our outside backs are not learning how to defend. Okay, it's been the Achilles heel for Nuno Tavares. It's the Achilles heel for Tumaj Tavares. Okay, to the point where we had to this year take a midfielder in Diogo Gonçalves, convert him to a right back. And finally, we have a right back. Fi- I think this, I mean, we'll get to it, but Diogo Tavares today, um, Diogo Gonçalves, excuse me, today, phenomenal game, in my opinion. Best player from Benfica today. I think the goal point going to agree with me. And he may be the, the most, how do you say, it? he may be the trophy of the season, if you will, the best product of the season from start to finish, the best body of work both for the coaching staff and for the player himself of any of the players on the pitch is the growth of Diogo Tavares. Okay. Julian Weigel was class. We knew that. He was in a slump. He worked his way out of it. He played his way out of it. By the way, congratulations to William Weigel. I should have said this earlier. And to his wife, Sarah, the birth of their daughter, Bruna. During, the, Of course, he missed the match in Portimao, uh, which the media tried to exploit as a rift in the team. Always, 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 you can count on Portuguese media to try to pull Benfica apart. You can try. They're always going to try to in, to implant division in our locker room. You know where the you know who who's who's feeding them this garbage too. It's communications departments up north, Jota March. Uh, you know he's got an in in all of these media outlets, and he seems to just just have a way with the the things he he says that he spouts. The garbage that comes from his mouth seems to get echoed in the press. And uh, the truth is, and George Zouz explained it. Uli and Vigel went to George Azuz's room in the middle of the night, 4 a.m., and to Rui Costa's room. The three of them had a discussion. He said his wife's pregnancy had become an at-risk situation. She was in the emergency room, and they authorized him to leave Portimao to return to Lisbon to be with his wife for the birth of his daughter, Bruna. And Uli and Vigel, congratulations. Um, Another Benficista in the world is always a good thing, and she is beautiful. And um, someone had said, you know, now there will be a huge uptick in the of babies being named Bruna uh in Portugal. Now that Ulian Vigel has given that name to his his lovely daughter. Um and that of course causes me to lose my train of thought for a moment. But you know, Ulian Vigel, yes Ulian Vigel's was not a growth so much as it was a rebirth. Julian Weigl rediscovered himself. Of course, Julian Weigl also was asked to play a role that he had never been asked to play in, in that manner, in that fashion. Okay. He, he didn't play as a holding midfielder at Borussia Dortmund. Okay. He had to, he had to kind of learn a new position. And I think just when he was going to leave, fortunately it turned around and, y'all know how much i've rooted for Uli and Weigel all season. If there's anybody whose horn i've been tooting all season and what players i've been defending uh nonstop it's Ulian Weigel and, and Nicolas Otamendi. Okay. Um, i'm always defending Rafa as well. I know. I every everybody that watches has the players they like and the ones that they like less. But i always believed in both that that both of those guys would become crucial crucial pieces of this team. And I sure hope the rumors are not true that Benfica are going to offload him this uh, this summer, um, simply for the fact that he's the only player with a good market value right now uh, to to resolve some of the the financial problems that the club is having. I sure hope that that's not true. I think he's growing, and I want to see him in a Benfica jersey for for a li- for longer. Um, I want to see. The- I want to see him be paired with midfield players that can, that are on his level uh, mentally, intellectually that are thinking the game the way he's thinking. He's not been given that since he's arrived. And with all due respect to all the other midfielders, it's just, he's on another level as far as his knowledge of the game and his thinking. And a lot of times, you know, he has to, he has to come back. He has to come down a level and play at a lower level to, to, to be in sync with this team. And, that's never a good thing for a player, so hopefully Benfica can surround him with some better players going forward. But again, you know, at Mr. Mello there on uh, Twitter made a great point. He says, we spent $100 million in in the market, and J.J.'s not going to play the youth. How are we going to fix this personnel problem? My answer is, I don't know. I think this is what we got, and he's going to have to coach him up. Good old fashioned coaching is the only way we're going to get out of this because I don't I just said I want to see new players come in but who where are we going to go get this money right now? I don't want to sell a key guy to go uh, to buy lottery tickets that you scratch and maybe maybe you get you get a gym, okay? We did that last summer. Okay? I think Darwin's going to pan out in time. I think that Siblinia can pan out in time if he if if his Mental game adjusts. There's there's a player inside a lot of these guys that didn't come out this season. Okay. There is a player in there and there is there is talent that has gone un untapped or not been made the most of, as they, as they say in Portuguese, no foi aproveitado. Aproveitado means to uh, to make the most of. I think that's the best word. To describe the talent on Befika. I know that it looks bad into the average onlooker. And to the average football fan today, we're now conditioned to just think you go get another player. Okay, this doesn't work. Let's go to let's get rid of him, bring someone else in. But the constant revolving door in the locker room is not a good thing either. Okay. So honestly, we paid a ton of money for this manager. He's got one more year. He needs to do something. I I, I can't see him getting sacked for virtually any reason outside of a major catastrophe, maybe a public relations catastrophe or something off the pitch. I can't see Georges Azouge being sacked just because of the amount of money it would cost to send him away. Okay. And he's the manager. He needs to coach the players up. He said that there was no opportunity to, to coach this year because there's no opportunity to practice um if that's the case you know next year you got no excuses not that you have excuses this year but next year you certainly have no excuses all right now moving forward okay we get to get to the 10th minute and PZ has a left-footed shot from the outside of the box it's close but it misses to the right he was set up by rafa not a lot going on for Befica though um carlos jr with the right-footed attempt from the right side of the box the right side of the 6 yard box but it was saved in the bottom corner by Elton Lake maybe Elton Lake's best showing thus far um this season for Benfica as the lighting in here is getting dim I'm not sure if my light is getting is uh going dead but we keep moving and Crisan has a shot in the 20th minute blocked inside the box by Otamendi and then it happens in the 25th minute, and this is a nice ball from PZ into space for, for uh, Everton Sobolinha, who finds his way into the box, uh, beats us up the cloud defender on the dribble, tries a cross. The cross goes off of Carlos Jr., and Carlos Jr. heads it into his own goal. Mefika on the board, something they needed uh, desperately. I'm going to move forward to what everyone remembers three minutes later. And I'm telling you right now, had this worked out differently, this is a completely different match. No question about it. It would have been completely different. Um, It's Diogo Solves with the ball of the match. Like I said, the the disservice of the match. And Harris Seferovich's left foot plays it over the bar. And I swear that thing went out of the stadium. If you could go up two 0 there, I think Santa Clara call it a day. If you could probably win three or four nil with ease in this match, but they didn't do that. And in the thirty-first minute, it's Santa Clara uh, tight again, and it's Carlos Junior again. It's a header inside the box. It's close, but he misses just to the left. I think a lucky, lucky to see halftime. Uh, but before that, Lucas Veris with an effort off of a PZ cross. Let's go to the second half, then, in the interest of time, as we've been going for a while. It's getting late here, so let's go uh, move to the second half, and we get a substitution. Actually, before the substitution, we're going to get... We're not going to get the goal before the substitution. No, we get the substitution first. Uh, After an Anderson, after Anderson can, can values right-footed shot outside the box is close, but misses left... George Zizouz goes to the bench. On comes Chichinu, and he replaces Everton Sabolinha. And um, uh I think Elder Huth called it another um exibição so triste, to, or menos feliz, not feliz de Everton meaning a not a sad, but a not happy, a not a not pleasant performance again from everton but everton had a hand in that first goal in the own goal he did you know he earned it he he beat the defender he forced the cross uh he's the reason that the that carlos jr headed it into his own goal but on comes chiquinho chicago uh, today he was chicago and um just uh oh, my feelings on chiquinho i like the player personally i think his ceiling at Benfica is this. It is to be a, a substitute. If, if that's what he's going to be, and I don't think he's happy with that, to be honest. I remember reading reports that he wants to leave where he can get more opportunities, play more minutes, but he's a good substitute in this team. And I think he's under he, – he, he's actually – I think Elder said he's the most utilized substitute this season. I was about to say I feel like he's underutilized, but perhaps I'm wrong. This season has been so long that it is hard to remember back to the first half of the year into even two months ago. It's just a it feel. Last season, you know, post-COVID, into this season, has felt like one long season. But he's a player that's serviceable. He's not a player that we want to, who's at the level to be an all-day, every-day, you know, 90-minute player for Benfica, obviously. But I think he's a, serv- a serviceable substitute, and this is a good switch by the manager today. George Azouz on his game here with this substitution. Uh, I won't say the same about some substitutions later, but then he explained it in the flash interview after the match, so it makes a little bit more sense. But we post, we fast forward in the 61st minute. It happens. Uh, Otamendi's given a bad pass. Okay, um, I think it came from Elton late, if my memory serves me correct, forcing him way wide, and then he tries to clear it as uh, I believe it was Alano sliding and he got himself uh, stretched out and he blocked Otamendi's uh, attempt at clearing the ball came back towards the center it came back towards the the area and it's it was Krizan it getting on on the loose ball running at the box okay Vigel's trying to get back Krizan delivers the cross on the ground Vigel's sliding trying to block it he can't block it um Verissimo is sprinting to get back in place and the ball finds its way to the foot of Anderson Carvalho who first times it as you can see he Vertonghen just barely misses blocking it by this much Vertonghen gets himself in position but he misses the block by this much and it finds its way around Vertonghen past Elton late and it is a goal for Santa Clara 1-1 and how many of us are saying, here we go again? Sure felt that way for me because it looked like Benfica were going to do it again. And and le- listen, this is something the of team has become somewhat of an Achilles heel to Benfica this season and last season. We've had a hard time with them the last three times we've played them now. And today, 67th minute now that goal came in the 61st. 67th, it's Peasy coming off as George Zouge opts to change the look substitutes a midfielder for an attack forward and it is darwin Nunez coming on as the uruguayan replaces the portugal international still uh Befigo with trouble getting things going but then it, it finally comes in the 72nd minute and it comes from another brilliant service from none other than dio Goncalves, a name i've said a few times tonight in a name that I just said it's is probably the best start-to-finish product at Benfica this season. And I think he's the undisputed owner of that position going forward as he plays a nice ball in and Chiquinho gets on the end of it and it's a left-footed shot from the center of the box. Puts it in the left corner, assisted from from Diogo Gonçalves. 2-1 to Benfica and Benfica having us believe that maybe they're going to steal the three points today. Three points that I think we all agree were not deserved. At the very least Santa Clara deserved to draw today. They deserved it. But that would be the one to to put Benfica ahead. That was the goal. 77th minute uh Daniel Hamus would go to his bench. Kostić comes on but places on mm-hmm. and also a player by the name of Rui Costa. No relation to our Rui Costa, but he comes on. Uh, Vienna do Castel native, I believe they said, he, no, Castelbronc native, uh, he replaces. Him. Uh, and guess what? In the 80th, Seferovic misses another opportunity, just one of those days for the Swiss Army Knife. Uh, he misses a rifle shot from close range to the left. And guess who put the cross into him again? Yes, Diogo Gonçalves, man of the match, MOTM tonight. Um, but that would be it for Diogo Gonçalves in the 80th minute as Gilberto would replace him. Now, I didn't like the substitution. I hate this this thing of switch. But, of course, the outside wing backs in this system are the ones doing the most work and covering the most space. They are the ones most likely to tire and to need a substitute. And uh, and uh, George Jesus revealed in the Flash interview that, that Diogo was already looking to come out at at uh, halftime uh there was an exhaustion there from him um he's still adapting to the she's adapting well but he's still adapting to the the amount of up and down sprinting he has to do versus in midfield where it's a lot of shorter sprints Um, you cover more territory or more terrain you cover more kilometers in the midfield a lot of times but And as a wingback, you have a lot more long sprints. And um, his lungs are still adapting to that position and his muscles. And he asked for the substitute. Also in the 80th minute, two other substitutions made by George Zuz. patented triple substitution that he loves to do every match. Luka Waldschmidt comes on, replaces Rafa. And Pedrinho replaces Seferovic. Two minutes later, and Costinha nearly levels for Santa Clara. Uh, he has a right-footed shot from outside the box, but saved by Elton Leite, who I also uh, am going gonna, to uh, say how to, you know, who I'm going to praise today. And shout out to to, to my new friend there, uh, my new friend Nino Torres, uh, pronouncing it Elton Leite. He's got the Brazilian pronunciation there. And I have to say, I feel like he, he's done his homework in the pronunciation of these Portuguese names. And um, he's. It's, it's he's come a long way. I have to say this season. I um and not just because the guy was nice to me on Twitter, but it it's always nice to hear Portuguese names pronounced correctly. And it doesn't always happen. Just ask Bruno Fernandes how how his name gets pronounced all the time. And uh, move on in Santa Clara here as a double substitution of triple substitution. Excuse me of their own in the eighty fifth minute. On comes Jean Patrick Nene and Ukra. Remember Ukra back in the day at Sporting Braga, the former Porto youth product, and and also sorry Sporting Braga and Rio Ave, a long time, um, a long time mainstay at Rio Ave. And off comes Anderson. But it wouldn't, it would not suffice for Santa Clara, and then. I think, a moment of good fortune, in my opinion here. George Azuz denies that this was done on purpose. He says he never instructs his players to do this, but Julian Vigel picks up a yellow card in the 88th minute. Julian Vigel will miss the match against Vonella on Friday, but that means he will be available for the Classico next Thursday against Futebol de Porto at the Stadio de Luz. Must win now. This is a must-win match, almost a final for Benfica. If they want to have any hope, of second place and direct entry into the group stage of next year's champions. Weigel does well to pick up the card. I don't think he meant it. And actually, George Zeus says that Weigel was nervous and played a nervous match all day, um, knowing he couldn't pick up another yellow card. And um, I don't necessarily know why. I mean, you get to this point of the season, you have a big match like that. I think it's it's almost a given. You go burn a yellow card. And hope that your team can can make it happen against. Tondela Tondela's on good form though. Tondela's in the highest I've ever seen them in the table. I believe they're ninth right now. Uh, but are you going to miss Tondela or are you going to miss Port? Are oh, you going to miss Porto because you don't want to give the referee the opportunity against Tondela to book you so that you miss the Porto match? Yes, it sounds like a conspiracy, but anyone who's followed this league for the last thirty years um, can understand that's a legitimate concern and a few minutes later nicolas otamendi finds the right opportunity to do the same thing he finds the opportunity to burn a yellow card he misses the next match against londella as well but that means he is available to face his former club and i love the nicolas otamendi that shows up against porto the two badges we had against them oh man that that vindicated that vindicated all the all the good things i said about him when he arrived all the hope i had of what he would bring to this team despite what had been he brought exactly what I thought he could to this team in that particular match. And he has been a he has been solid ever since. Yes, he has the mistake today. Um but he has been solid ever since. And um, a smart, wise yellow card picked up by Nicholas Batamendi. Um, I'm sure Porto's gonna be kicking themselves for that because same thing, you don't want to give the referee on Friday the opportunity to remove you from the classic. Um I I think this was a good thing. The referee will blow his whistle for full time at 90. If he could pick up the three points, three major positives. I know the performance was poor again. I know the the football was lousy. But three major, major positives today. Three points for us. Our direct rival for second dropped two points. Our direct rival for third, who's trying to chase us, dropped all three points this weekend. And we now know Veigal and Ultimindy will be available for the Classic. All right, let's bring up the goal point now. I'm gonna go ahead and share the screen. Give me one moment here as I bring up the goal point. And here it is. As now I'll go ahead and put it on your screen so you can see it at home if you're watching. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, obviously you won't see it at home, but I'm gonna go ahead and share the screen now with the goal point and you should be seeing it any moment. And there it is. All right. So, first thing we're going to look at today is, you know, the two teams. You see the average rating for Santa Clara slightly higher than for Benfica. Maybe we're overestimating how well they played. I don't know. Um I'm not the only one saying this. This is this is, you know, the consensus opinion. Among Benficistas, among non-Benficistas, among neutral media, if you want to call them that. Uh, They were better. I thought they were much better. I thought they were better. This is horrible English, but I thought they were more better than this, than this shows here. Um, The expected goals, though, Benfica with 1.9 on the XG. Santa Clara, uh, 0.7 on their XG. But. Again, Santa Clara a lot of nice football, but couldn't really turn it into into good. Couldn't really. They they hit they hit Elton Lake with a lot of shots that were easier for him to to stop. But all in all, um, that XG statistic or analytic is something that's debated, and I know some of you don't. Some of you are not big fans of it. I think it's one piece that tells the story. I think you can't just go by it, but I think it's a good tool and a good piece to tell you the story. Now let's start with Santa Clara. As you can see, their goalkeeper, uh, Marco, is a 4.6. Rafael Ramoos, 5.8. João Afonso 5.1. Villanueva, 4.8. Mansoor, 5.4. Carlos Jr., 4.7 with the goal. Anderson Carvalho is actually the man of the match. I've been praising Diogo Salves, but that's from the Befica side. The man of the match in this one uh, from Santa Clara, is from Santa Clara. It is Anderson Carvalho. And uh, I found him quite, quite impressive today. Morita, 5.6. Lincoln, 6.2. Alano, 5.8. And Crizan with a 6.8. Now, as you see, this is a different lineup here on goal point than what I read off from Mob, But that is the issue with, you know, with the different apps that track lineups and the track statistics. But there you see the substitutes. Costinha and the 5.3 and 5.4 apiece. For Benfica, Elton late with a 6.9. Like I said, I thought he was really good today. Vimaldo 4.2. That's about right. Vertonghen with a 5.8. Otamendi gets a 4.7 thanks to that error. That led to the goal. And I think the yellow cards also bring the rating down in the in the um, algorithm that creates these ratings. Uh, Lucas Farisimo, another solid 6.0 performance. And there is Benfica's man of the match, Diogo Gonçalves, 7.1 with an assist. Rafa's a 5.6. Vigel 5.4. PZ 5.0. Everton, 5.3. And Seferovic, man. Again, I'm not going to criticize him. He is what he is. We know what we have with him. There's days he's going to give you a hat trick. He's the leading goal scorer in the league now, but then there's days he gives you a three point five. That's the one of the lowest ratings, if not the lowest rating I ever remember on goal point. And you can see here, if you're watching on the heat map, uh, just how much space was covered by Anderson Carvalho of Santa Clara today. Let's look at the, let's look at the statistics real quick. Shots ten to sixteen in favor of the Azorians shots on goal seven to one overwhelmingly in favor of the visiting side actions in the opponent's area I like this statistic Benfica still wins that one they seem to to win that one all the time I think they may even lead the league in that specific in that particular uh analytic in that particular um, statistic uh the actions in the opponent's area 21 to 14 five to four corners for Benfica Benfica the 85 percent pass efficiency to 79 for Santa Clara, which is high for a Benfica opponent. Benfica usually does not allow a pass efficiency that high to their opponents. Uh, Vertical pass efficiency. Benfica still with the edge there, 64%, too, 57%. Uh, Defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. Benfica with only seven. They usually also win this statistic no matter who they play. They usually, you know, defending higher up the pitch. Not so today. Santa Clara defending defending Benfica high. I really like the approach from Santa Clara today. I have to say, uh, again, I think they had Benfica well scouted, well studied, and they knew they had the, just the right uh, game plan to come in and and go at Benfica. So hats off, and and you have to give credit to Daniel Ramos and to Santa Clara. Now again, my least favorite stat, and to me the least important stat, Benfica dominating. 61 percent to 39 in possession a lot of that though is um in non-dangerous situations okay that's the goal point now let's switch it up here and let's uh go back to to the screen as let's stop sharing if i remember how to do this and we move back and there i am again <laughs> and um of course, those of you listening on the podcast form I don't have to see any of my poor YouTube work and just how uncomfortable I get in the live setting on the YouTube. But anyway, um, final thoughts. Again, the result is better than the performance, and I'll take that seven days a week. I'll take that 34 matches a year from this side, the uh, the performance. It's good to have a good performance, but you got to have the result. Okay, the result is, is – um, is mandatory the performance is optional if you want to look at it that way especially at this stage in the season where it's all about points and it's a race to the finish line and we want to be on the podium obviously and at the very least well not at the very least right now we want to at least find ourselves in second place and vote to the uefa champions league so Let's move ahead here, and I have the table for you. I'm going to put that on your screen in just one second here so we can look at the table. And there it is, courtesy of SofaScore. And you will see this on www.mrbayfika.com tomorrow at some point, as we now have mostly everybody's got 29 matches played. All right, you see there in the table, Sporting Leading. With 73 points, 22 victories, seven draws, still undefeated. Uh, we we got to be the team to knock them off. Absolutely, maybe they'll. Hopefully, they're already champions. Hopefully, uh, they don't come here to win the title. But if they, but we absolutely have to win when they come here, and we have to knock them off. Okay, uh, Porto are now six points back. It's going to be a tough way back for Porto. Look at the form they were showing in the last five, but it dropped off today. Um. You can see Porto there with the highest uh, amount of goals scored this season, only two ahead of us. We are now third. Mifica's got 63 points, four back of Porto. If they can drop another point, then all we got to do is beat them in, win the rest of our matches. Uh, Porto will have, I believe, um, they'll have Family cone next. I'll go through the fixtures list for the next round uh, right after this this uh, scroll through the, the table. And in fourth place, it's Sporting Braga. Like we said, they dropped three points at home this weekend. And in the news, of course, is Sporting Braga wanting to move out of the city's stadium, out of the Pedreira, out of the rock quarry, and back into their Stadio Primeiro de Mayo, the May 1st stadium. And of course, that is because they own the stadium. And if you've listened to this podcast for some time, you know when I cover the women's team, we. When we go play Braga in women's football, we play at the Primero de Mayo. Uh, the club has plans to to renovate the Primero de Mayo and move back in, and it only makes sense. You don't want to be paying rent when you own a house. It, it's 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 pure uh, it's simple economics. Fifth place right now. Um, not going to move any higher, obviously, but I'd say fairly safe. Seven points clear in six in fifth place is Peppa's side. Passus de Ferreira, they're looking at going to Europe and being in the debut edition of the UEFA Europa Conference League. Right now, Vitoria Guimarães holding on, but look at that form from Vitoria Guimarães. Uh, The club from the Don Enfons Henrique from the original capital. Only one win in their last five. The rest, all losses. Our opponents tonight, Santa Clara, right on their heels. On 36 points, uh, BTV kept asking Daniel Helmich if he thought the dream was over. I don't know why they would ask that. Finally, in the postgame presser, um, a reporter, I think from Zero, 0 uh or from ice football, I don't remember, pointed out that, you know, this year, sixth place right now, there's nothing around it. But sixth place will be a Europa Conference League spot um, this season because, well, because, because Braga and Benfica are meeting in the cup final. And that spot will go to the Europa League. So the winner of the cup will get an automatic berth into the Europa League. Now, if Benfica win the cup and they're already in the Champions League prelims, then Braga will go to the Europa League. So basically, whoever loses the cup final, okay, Basically, whoever let me reiterate, whoever wins the cup final would be going to the Europa League, but they may already be going anyway through fourth place, so it's going to be an automatic spot in the group stage regardless. Um, and then fifth and sixth will go to the Conference League. So there's Santa Clara, thirty-six points. Um, they're in. They're they're sliding right now too, but they have five matches left, and they and they keep playing this football. I believe they're gonna they're gonna surpass Vitale Jimenez, but we've got to wait and see. There's a lot of football still to go. Five matches is a lot of football. Muriens pick up a big point tonight. They 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 draw level with Santa Clara. 36 for them as well. Tondela, ninth with 35. That's our next opponent. Bulanes Sad with to win today as well. They move up to 10th. They got 34. Portimones has 32. Famalicão, in 12th with 31, as is Gil Vicente with 31. Now, Riuav and Maritimo for now in safety, each with 30 points, 14th and 15th respectively. They are two points ahead of Boavista, who are sitting in 16th with, this year is a relegation promotion playoff spot. Okay, right now, they are in position to meet, I believe, Academica. Don't quote me, though, because the S- Liga Porto or whatever the, the sponsorship name is. The second league um, after the first two is very, very tight for that third spot. But right now it's Bovichel with 28 points. Three behind them is Ferenc with 25. They play, they have a match against Portimonense tomorrow. It is the Algarve Derby. So after that match, that's when I will update the table on www.mrbenfica.com okay? And in last place is Nacional with 24. It's going to be tough for them to to make up the gap. Even even the four points could be very tough to make up. But if they go on a little run here, they could find themselves with a the chance to sh- save themselves. All right, next uh, rounds matches are right here for you, and we have Boavista. This is this round's match, excuse me. Here we go. Passage Ferreira meeting Bolinish Sad on the 30th of April. The 30th is uh, it's Friday, I believe. Yes, the 30th is on Friday. Vitória uh, Guimarães hosts Moreirense in a Minu Derby, uh, also on Friday. And still on Friday, it's Tondela hosting Benfica. And still on Friday, Porto hosting. Famalicão, that's going to be a big match. Once again, Bakika playing. Uh, the earlier match that's that is in you see fourteen hours there. That is in Eastern Time here in the United States. That is to my location, so that is a two p.m. Eastern Time start, eleven a.m. Pacific, and that is a seven p.m. or nineteen hours in Lisbon or in Tunela, uh, to be exact. And, two, and a, two hours and 15 minutes later, Porto kick off at the Dragão against Famalicão. On a Saturday, we have Gil Vicente hosting Ferenc in a match that the Algarve side will need to win regardless of their result tomorrow against their Algarve rivals. And the other Algarve side will also play on Saturday, hosting Riwab, who also are not safe. My friend Miguel cordozo their manager, needs to Points. He needs to get away from that relegation spot, away from that playoff spot. And in the Azorian side, Santa Clara, our opponents today, continue to chase their European dream. They're at home at the Stadio Samuel versus Boavista in Ponta Delgada. And Sparting will host Nacional, so first versus last in that one, as they're going to hope to move three points closer to the title. And I think for Benfica's sake, hopefully they pick it up because I would love for them to already be champion when they get here because I want them to be checked out a little bit and I want to beat them. I want to be I want to make sure that we are the one loss on their on their win-loss record this season. That would it give us some momentum also going into the cup final and hopefully catapult us past our other rival uh, against our catapult us past our northern rival and into uh second place. Braga will host Pasos Fajeda in what is maybe the match of the week. This is an exciting one. As um they will hold, fourth will host fifth in well basically a match for fourth and fifth. We we said when we looked at the table, Pasuch Fajeda are kind of safe where they are. They're not really going to go up or down. But still, Pepa's side is going to come in and look to make a statement, I think, and look to uh pick up a win against the big clubs. They really raise it. When they play against the big clubs. And it's not a big. It's not a big three anymore in my opinion. It's a big four in Portugal. And the round closes out. On. And actually these matches are next week. The round will close out with Maritimu hosting. Gil Vicente. Actually Gil Vicente already played. Interestingly enough. Well on May the 5th. There's Maritimu versus Gil Vicente. Alright. That is going to do it for. This episode of Mr. Benfica, this has been a long one. I do apologize. Um, Thank you for everyone watching on Twitter. Make sure you hit the subscribe button down there. All right. I need some more subscribers. Hit the subscribe. Hit the little bell next to it to make sure you're alerted every time I put out a video. And if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to it. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Bayfika. And please hit up www.mrbayfika.com and hit up my other website, okay? I just launched it, PTV Media Network's own homepage. It's www.parkingthebusmedia.com. Go there. I got some episodes of Parking the Bus up. I've got a conversation regarding European Super League. I've got an article about or a blog post about European Super League and my reaction and also follow uh parking the bus on Twitter at Ptv underscore Media. I'm posting video um posting links to videos that I'm doing now for BTV, the other BTV, not our network, but not our club's television station, but the website better than Vegas. I've started to do some soccer previews and I've I've partaken in some soccer or football roundtables. So I'll post anything I'm in. There as well, and I'll share it to Mr. Benfica as well. So make sure you follow wherever, uh, wherever you prefer to follow Mr. Benfica. That's gonna do it for this one. I will be back with the women's team update. I promise. That's coming this week. That will come before the men kick off on Friday. I know I make these promises all the time, and then it doesn't. One thing leads to another, and I can't get it out. But it is coming, and I'm also almost done on a written piece uh, profiling Benfica women's star. Teenage sensation, Kika Nazare, who is just taking the Liga BPI by storm. She's debuted for the Portuguese national team, and um, she signed with George Mintz. So you know that she's she's legit when she signs to the biggest football agency on planet Earth. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you. This has been Episode 109. I am the Mr. Mike you signing off once again. Carrega Benfica, força Benfica, vamos. em cima deles. let's go. Até o fim, lutar até o fim. We fight to the end. We are Benfica. See you next time. (laughs) I don't know, dick, dick, do Make my flow dumb, go write a hit song called Fight over Run So many idols come, so many idols go But in the end, man, I don't know <laughs> yeah. Listening to the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network, your English language home of Copa Libertadores.